Welcome to Modern Babylon, Cultural Contrarian. This is Ryan Miller. It's with a very happy heart that I come to this broadcast today to share with you something that um, I'm going to allow my private members to determine whether this shall be a public broadcast or it's going to remain private. But one of my um, members said that I should be feeling elated like a proud parent. And I, while I, I appreciate the affirmation, I'm not going to take ownership of any of this. I'm, I'm just leaning on God to use my gifts and talents to pierce the conscience and influence others at their own pace. And I, I do this humbly. I do it completely humbly. So this is all merely something I place before the altar as an, a, as an unworthy offering. So I, I come before you that I want to share someone that is part of the learning that I have been uh, providing. And they've been listening and reading and studying. And they, I, I, I don't know, I said this just the other day to an, in another private conversation. I said, the key begins with expanding one's knowledge, being open to the possibility of what we claim to know to be true is potentially incorrect. And to reconcile the acquisition of knowledge, the furthering knowledge based upon the journey of evidentiary truth. And as we increase that knowledge based upon the foundation of truth, we build up a sense of power in ourselves, that we, we're seeing things more clearly, we're becoming fortified and enriched with this knowledge of truth, which begins to stimulate the ability to exercise being courageous. So to expect people to be courageous, to step out of their comfort zone and approach and communicate with those that represent authority is very dangerous. It can be very risky because we've been so conditioned to acquiesce our rights based upon threats, intimidation, coercion, and duress. And those are legitimate fears. But as you gain more knowledge, you build this power that you can exercise being courageous. When you're ready, at your own pace, at your own time, based upon your enhancements of this knowledge based upon truth. And this one individual has been consuming, learning, listening, asking, and they got enough knowledge for them to step out into the space in public to stand on their rights and their freedom. And I was absolutely proud because it's a very courageous step. And she did it in light, in love, in respect, in appreciation, and was completely reasonable. Not accusatory. Was saying, I'm here to inform you. I'm going to speak to the law and understand that it's not reasonable. And I'm going to let her words speak. And I... I took the opportunity to do a screen grab of her presentation last night. And I am going to edit this screen grab to take out her name because I want to respect her privacy. And I'm not going to share the video. The video, that's why I'm saying I'm going to put this before my audience to see if it's worth sharing publicly because I want to protect the privacy of those in my group because it's all about privacy. Gaining this knowledge 
has a tremendous risk to it and people aren't familiar with the risk. And I want to ensure the privacy to mitigate that risk so people are prepared and equipped for the possibility or eventuality of retaliation, of social isolation from social media trolls that have no knowledge that spew venom and vitriol and judgment. Because being free in our culture is an anomaly. Standing on our constitution looks weird. And it is only for a few select people that want to gain the knowledge in the quest of truth to gain that courage to stand free is for only a few people. In one of my conversations with someone, I said, they said, everybody wants to learn. And I said, yes, they want to have this public presentation in a mass audience of 400, 500, 200 people to say, I want to know. And I say, yeah, I know you want to know, but let's move the ball down the field. After you know, my question is, what are you not willing to do with the knowledge? I have provided a path when I speak before hundreds of people to say, do you want to know? And then once you know, what are you not willing to do? And when I make the beginning steps of wanting to validate that you truly want to know, I ask for one thing. Take your mouse, navigate it over a hyperlink, and click. And that gives you access to download a free ebook. Now, do I ask for an email address? Absolutely. But you know what? The email address, people create multiple spam email addresses and they don't put in an authentic, transparent email address. I know this. But I'm just saying, what is your commitment and transparency to begin this path of knowledge? So it is click. Then when they get to that enter my email address, maybe they don't have a spam email address. So they rationalize and justify in their head, well, I'm not going to put my email address because I don't want to get on an email list and I don't want to receive spam emails and be marketed to. Valid. Those are valid concerns. You're willing to not do something based upon the possibility of something happening with no evidence of it. Am I going to spam market you? No. Am I going to hammer you and try to promote you to come in and learn more? No. I'm giving you the opportunity to make a decision that I want to get this first ebook for free and read. So most people won't even click on that link. I present before 400 people almost two years ago during the height of this pandemic response. And everybody's affirming me and they're applauding me in the audience and they're saying and they're, they're cornering me after the, my presentation and they're asking me personal, private, specific questions. I'm like, ah, man, I can't be a consultant to all you people. I can help educate you and here's your path to do it. Here's my business card. Here's a QR link, QR code link. Here's the opportunity for you to just click this link and download. And I didn't even get 1% of an audience of 400 people to click. Now, I don't know. Maybe it's my words. Maybe it's my language. Maybe it's my presentation. I don't know. And I'll, I'll stand guilty as charged because that is who I am. I'm willing to accept that. I can't pull anybody across the finish line. But this woman made that decision. She had listened to me for a while. She had consumed some of my free stuff. 
And she said, wow, I had no idea. I'm willing to take the next step. And it's a gradual path. Everybody can, can go on that path at their own, own pace. But she consumed. She took her own time to reconcile it based upon, is this true? And is there evidence that supports what I believe to be true? Or is what Mr. Miller is saying have evidence to what he's saying to be true? And she started learning more. And it got to this point of being applied. So I admit that I'm downloading this video. I screen grabbed it. I'm going to play the audio. I will edit her name out, but I'm committing to you publicly that I'm just bookmarking beginning and end. And the only edit in that video is me taking her name out. So I'm going to, I'm going to pause, insert this edited snippet, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to come and speak to my thoughts about it. First, I just wanted to say thanks to you guys for, I know this is late, approving um, the junior high girls volleyball uh, as a sanctioned sport. My daughter was, um, I think it was 2014, uh, able to um, play, I guess it was club, for Dewey Barlow. And then when she graduated in 2020, but her 2019 season, they made uh, districts and leagues. So I feel like that's Huge for CV, so thank you. Um, on a more serious note, um, this is about policy 903. Supreme Court case decision, Graham versus Connor stated, it's not reasonable for public servants such as yourselves to know all the laws. However, citizens such as myself are required to know the laws so that we can correct you or inform you when you misstate, misinterpret, or mischaracterize the law. What I just did today to be able to speak, to, what I just did tonight to be able to speak was relinquish my Fourth Amendment right to be secure in my person, to be able to exercise my First Amendment right to free speech. These are just two of the many unlawful violations in your revised and original 903 policy. Enforcing unlawful policies falls outside of your sworn oath to the US Constitution and the PA Constitution that I was able to witness some of you take. So I ask, what does swearing an oath mean to you if you do not uphold it? Mr. Frank Hauser, CV solicitor, unfortunately is not a civil rights attorney. I ask that you seek counsel from a civil rights attorney on how to amend this unlawful policy. In the meantime, you could flex your freedom muscle and read up on these court cases that allow U.S. citizens to stand in our rights. Marbury v. Madison, Murdoch v. P Pennsylvania, Graham v. Connor, or more recently, the Pennsylvania court case, Marshall v. Amuso regarding Pensbury School District. You could also read some of the U.S. codes, 18 U.S.C. 241, 18 U.S.C. 242, and 42 U.S.C. 1986. I cannot make you read these or want to learn how to be free, but I'm asking you to do so so that you can uphold the rights of the citizens, the citizens and the students of Conestoga Valley. Thank you. I didn't use you, but I will respond okay. in part to this. Okay. When, well, thank you. Because I don't get it. When 903 was brought to us for revision, I asked it to be put off the agenda. Okay. Specifically because I knew it wasn't addressing the changes in those judicial rulings on identification of speakers. I assume that's what you're referring to, and at least in part. Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, we are currently, and, the, and not just CV, but even those who are civil rights lawyers, are currently reviewing how to uh, adjust to those judicial rulings. Okay. That's why we pulled it off. I have in my packet one article that I keep with me that I know has to be used to uh, change that policy. Okay. And uh, even our state organization does not have all the information they need yet. But we are in the process of adjusting that policy to align with current judicial rulings for privacy of uh, people who wish to speak to us. Great, thank you. If you have any that. other specific issues in that policy, uh, we'd be glad if you would share those with us uh, you know, okay. by email so that we don't end up changing it and then missing something you were concerned about. Okay, great, I okay. appreciate that. And you can email you. me directly with that. Email's on the website. Okay, thanks. I'll make All sure right. the board gets it. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's nice to be criticized for something we're already up on. <laughs> After listening, to that there are so many things that i could offer commentary on how she did such a fabulous job it was from love it was from respect it was from recognition and she set the tone and i was incredibly appreciative of who i believe was the school board president addressing the speaker i appreciated that so one that wants to keep momentum at the same time protect the speaker from where this could go what she did is she drew a line in the sand she provided a verbal notice to inform the board based upon supreme court precedent of what their lane is she brought up the fact that they have all sworn an oath and that that they either honor that oath or they don't honor that oath so the school board's president response specific to policy 903 is that they put the policy on hold now I would propose that this individual consider writing a letter now I was thinking of typing a letter as a model and reading that letter but I thought I it would be better if I just free flow it and I, I don't want people to why I didn't want to write the letter is I don't want somebody to do a cut and paste and use my words. I just want to narrate a kind of communication that people could be honorable, respectful while accomplishing their goal. So I'm going to spitball this a little bit so you can get the intentionality behind my particular way in which I would address this particular situation. I would encourage the speaker, if they were to hear this, to cut, paste, edit, modify, insert their own words into what I'm about to narrate. And for others, I would say, my message is very important if you desire to be free and to protect your children. And I, I just want to be a voice of reason and a voice of influence. So hear these words coming from the position that I want to stand firm in my lane. I want to bring God's truth, God's love to those that I respect the authority I believe in Hobbes and Locke and Rousseau in the social contract and that I understand from a biblical worldview that we do need to have those in authority to restrain and correct the evil that is in all of us. We are all deceitfully wicked humans and what separates one wicked human from another wicked human 
is the power of the Holy Spirit to restrain our, our sinful nature. And I am so in tune with my sinful nature. I know the wicked and depravity that inside of my mind, and I do not want what goes on in my mind played on a video screen for the world to hear, but I know God sees it. And I need to restrain and scrub out those elements which I know in my brain that are not honoring to the creator which I'm an image bearer of. So enough of my preaching. Here is how I would send a communication to the school president and the school board. And I would address it respectfully, Mr. School Board President and members of the school board. I had the opportunity to speak to the board the other night and I I want to resonate and reiterate my appreciation and recognition for the incredible responsibility that you have to navigate a very complex network of state, federal, union, educators, leadership, and that you are our agents. And I can't imagine the amount of things that you need to process through your tenure in navigating a balance of all of those orbiting relationships. And I respect your position that you have have stepped into this role and that the citizens have afforded trust in your role. And last evening, the other evening, I brought attention to that there are limits to your authority. And during that speech, I made reference to several Supreme Court precedent, and I illuminated the issue regarding color of law. I identified that you all have sworn an oath to uphold and defend the constitutional rights of the Commonwealth in addition to the United States of America. You're here to serve at our mere privilege, and your limits of authority are constrained by that oath that you have taken. Now, you have provided a policy and a public forum that affords citizens like myself three minutes to speak and address our concerns. And I understand that as a function of time and the way you can control order of the meeting, but it is not reasonable that all us citizens can speak and convey information to the board in three minutes. So I apologize for the length of this document, but I want to begin by enumerating that I am respectful, appreciative, and and endearing to the roles that you all have taken. At the same token, it is we the people's responsibility to bring to your attention when you are stepping out of those constitutional restraints. You may step outside those constitutional strength restraints with the words you use in the creation of policy. But see, policy is not a legislative act. And it, it, there is no entity which has the authority to enforce a policy. The policy is only agreed to based upon consent. It is the voluntary consent of those people in which you're attempting to enact that policy. Now, if a policy, through its enforcement, you assign yourself an authority to enforce, which you may not have, that includes a threat, an intimidation, coercion, duress, 
false imprisonment, theft, social isolation, kidnapping. These elements are a deprivation of citizens' constitutional rights under the exercise of a, an authority. But there's a limit of that authority. You cannot establish a cell phone policy inside of a school that you will grant yourself or teachers the ability to confiscate, steal, or threaten a child with detention suspension to take away their electronics device. I understand there is a huge challenge with children using um, electronic devices in schools. I'm not debating that. And I'm, I'm not saying that it's not worthy to establish policies or limits on what can happen within that school relative to those devices. And it needs to be reasonable, but it cannot have the threat, intimidation, coercion, duress, or more to force people's compliance to a right that they have guaranteed and secured under the Constitution. So my point to that statement is that you have every ability to write a modification to policy 903 that says, before you can speak to the board, I need to know your name, I need to know your municipality, I need to know your address. If you're wearing a hat, you need to remove your hat. If you're wearing a blue shirt, you need to replace it with a purple and white shirt. If you're coming in with open toe shoes, for OSHA requirements, we're asking you to wear steel toe shoes. That is our policy. If you do not comply with our policy, we will not give you the permission to speak. The problem is not with all of those criteria that you set forward to in your policy. The violation is when you are going to terminate a constitutional right, silence someone, which is guaranteed under the First Amendment, that you put a hurdle or barrier over them, which is called prior restraint. So I write this to you to be informative and to say that we appreciate and recognize that you have earned a precarious position. And we, the people, want to have a relationship with those that we elected who are our agents, our voice, for the most precious thing that we have. And that is a, the next generation coming up, these young minds. And we, the people, need to be involved to ensure that those young minds are not corrupted. Right now, the policy enforcement is corrupting these minds. What happened during the pandemic, pandemic, whatever you want to call it, was a massive overreach of unconstitutional violations and we the people didn't know how to stand up to those violations. There was not a law. And everyone voluntarily complied, submitted, surrendered their constitutional rights because of the volume of threats, coercion, duress, social isolation, false imprisonment. That's what the evidence trail leads to. In addition to the entire education system and all of its contributors are complicit in the, into the intellectual, mental, and psychological erosion and pain and harm on young minds. Are you waiting for the community of scientists to produce a peer-reviewed journal that says that there was an impact? It's there. We know that these actions are the same actions that are used in war under the disguise of torture, duress, social isolation, separation, false imprisonment, 
These are all elements of torture. May not be physical in nature, but they are definitely psychological and emotional. So I, I'm, I'm narrating, which take the nuggets out of this narration and put it into an email or whatever document, but I'm trying to give you the tenor of conviction, compassion, and authority and truth and say, I want to help guide the limits of your authority. Now, I want to do one thing further. Because I have stated to you that policy 903 is a constitutional violation, I appreciate the school board president putting that policy on hold. But from that announcement, notice has been served. Respectfully, you are now notified on the record that Marbury versus Madison is being violated, that Murdoch versus Pennsylvania is being violated, and that the enforcement of the standing policy of 903 is a constitutional violation. So my recommendation is to cease demanding citizens surrender their name and their municipality they can do it at their own option. You can ask them to respectfully please tell me who you are and where you reside. You can ask that. And I'm sure many citizens will just do that because standing free is, is discomforting. But if a citizen objects, it would be a constitutional violation, a deprivation of rights, and a violation of your oath to silence their speech in order to exercise, to silence their speech if they don't meet your existing policy 903 and don't believe me go look at the lawsuit that was presented to you to you during that case at pensbury and check with your civil rights lawyer your school solicitor advising on a potential violation of your oath your school solicitor is not a civil rights attorney he doesn't even have standing to advise you on a qualified peer, qualified immunity piercing action that you're taking on your own private person action. See, here's the crazy thing that people don't know, citizens and public servants, that when you've been notified that you have violated a constitutional limit under the first, I won't say the second, but fourth or fifth or 14th, your qualified immunity, if you continue to act on those violations, you're not doing it on your oath protected qualified immunity legal protection. You have made a decision to step outside of that protection and act in your private person capacity. The Supreme Court calls that an actor. You are now acting under color of your authority or color of law. So when you do that, your schools, you've pushed the school solicitor out of conversation and you have walked into the domain of private counsel. I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to put yourself at that financial risk, at that litigation risk, and that financial penalty that could come. Now, part of the reason that I talked about this, whether it be public or private, this is something that I've been teaching and I'm moving it down the ball field and there are, are a volume of named defendants that are going to be walked into federal court. And my process has a document trail of evidence of every effort to me to extend grace and say, stop, stay in your lane, be reasonable, 
go talk to the civil rights attorney because this is piercing your qualified immunity protection. You may laugh at me. You may mock at me. You may do whatever you want to do to me in public. That has no, those are just words. Words do not injure me. They, I don't, the only power words have over me is when they're words in truth. And we may disagree on what is the truth. I'm going to bend my neck to no one but Christ my King. The authority, particularly when I have the ability to demonstrate that it is unlawful and outside the limits of restraint and you act unlawfully, I know that the Supreme Court has told me that I have a path. The legal profession, the the lawyers, the bar, oops, sorry. The lawyers in the bar are not for me. They want me to get ensnared into their system. And I am not in their system because the public servants have said, we're not going to stay in this system. I'm not going to use the system that they're stepping out of to use to argue for them. No way. That's what the Supreme Court told me. That's what our Constitution has provided for us. We have standing in federal court. This is an obvious audio break, and I apologize for that. While I was doing my broadcast, my phone interrupted me, and I, I had to terminate the broadcast and insert this here. But I think I've um, made my point salient enough and that I don't need to continue rambling. And I encourage those people that if this does make it in the public domain to be courageous and explore the links that I provide in the um, text area of the podcast to check out my social profile, to go on Facebook or view some of my things that are available publicly on YouTube, go into my archive of podcasts, look at what I have on Facebook, extend yourself to, to explore what the Facebook private group is, click and download the free ebook, which is called Love Thy Neighbor. And consider downloading my private membership agreement, which describes the nature and vision and mission behind the ministry of the Private Membership Association. And it's merely an invitation. I am not here to pull you across any finish line and enter into what, what people may want to say that, that Ryan is king. I'm not. I'm just giving you the opportunity to learn and make your own decisions as to what you are not willing to do or willing to do. I'm not going to spam you. I'll leave you alone. I'm just giving you an opportunity to raise your hand and say, you know what, I'll take the first step. I'll download that ebook and I'll leave you alone. And then at your own time, maybe when your child gets the mask back on or you've got your job is at risk that you might lose your job because you need to participate in some medical experiment, you'll, you'll look at what being free looks like. And I can't make anybody do anything. I'm just providing the opportunity. And indeed, this ministry is donation-based. And I'm asking for donations to support the time, effort, and energy, and lessons, and videos, and material, and documents that I create. I am heading to federal court. There are dozens of named defendants that comes at a cost. And... All of my educational material requires time and video and data resources to host. And while I, I believe in giving as much as I can, I am not a charity in the sense that I'm just going to charitably give it without having some donations coming for, for the support. I don't have a bottomless bank account. My money is 
going to my wife. This is all for her. I don't even see it. But I do have expenses and I ask for the, the, the token recognition, whatever it may be. I appreciate it. But when you get into the private membership, there are covenants. I need to protect people from what they don't know. What this woman did was incredibly courageous. But she's been part of this group and she knows what retaliation can look like. I have the documented evidence of the retaliation. Those folks in that membership association know, holy smokes. I didn't want to believe this to be true, but you're showing me. And I'm like, holy smokes, this is a serious red pill. I can't, I'm not going to pry open your mouth and shove the red pill down it. It's not my job. My job is to proclaim Christ and give everybody the opportunity to, to repent and turn and seek their eyes being open and let God rip the blinders off and repent. That's it. Stop, drop, and roll is not working for the masses. The remnant is small. And when I do my meetings and I begin with prayer, I'm yielding to the Holy Spirit because people that don't want to hear it, leave. If you don't want to seek the truth that God has put the divine spark in you to don't gain access to a moral objective standard, you want to rebel against that source, totally fine. My message is not for you. Reprobate be as reprobate do. I don't have a judgment on them. That's not my judgment or justice to, to put on those individuals. I just know where my path is. And I invite others to join on that path and to see Imago Day. So I wanted to share this. I'll let my audience determine whether this should be something to be shared publicly and extend that invitation. And if it's public, I welcome you to take a first step. Click in the... The, the liner notes of the broadcast, check out the social media sites, join it, take a look at the give, send, go that I put an element of information in the public domain. Sign a petition. I have to depart as I normally depart. Put this all in your intellectual pipe and smoke it. Whether you inhale or not, that's up to you. Have a great day. Welcome to Modern.